Father, we're grateful on this day, Father, for you have been so good to us and we are thankful for another opportunity to, to gather together. Father, we're thankful, Father, for this workshop, Father, that has been put on. And Father, like Peter said, it, it's good for us to be here. And so, Father, we're grateful to the Antioch Church for having the insight and the vision to put this on, Father. And Father, we pray that you continue to be with all the presenters. Father, be with Jen as she will say something, Father, that will help us, Father, to be better people for you. We thank you for Jesus who makes all of this possible. It's in his name we pray. Amen. If you've enjoyed yourself thus far, go ahead and say amen. amen. If you had lunch and you enjoyed lunch, say amen. amen. Uh, we, we, we're going to get some thank yous at the end of this. Rebecca is going to come at the end of, of our session on this afternoon and just give out some thank yous. But thank you so much uh, to all of our presenters thus far. You guys have done an amazing job. And of course, you would realize that we had it set up. You couldn't attend every single one. You had to choose one. Uh, and so I, I could tell you, Dr. Bethany, in, in, in that session, we had a wonderful time. And I'm hearing from all the different sessions as well, you guys had an amazing time. Uh, and of course, we want to thank so much Abigail for her presentation on this morning. Uh, thank you guys so much. And we're going to hear, I, I won't do the introduction, but we're going to hear from a wonderful speaker on this afternoon in the person of Dr. Jen here in just a little bit. But if you don't mind, just join me. I'm going to ask you to stand. We've been sitting for about 45 minutes while we were eating. I want to ask you to stand. We're going to sing one song, one chorus of a song. Uh, is Casey in here? Yes, I see her. And after this song, Casey, I'm going to hand it over to you to uh, introduce our speaker for this afternoon. Creating me a clean heart, oh God, and renew right spirit within me. Spirit within me, created me a clean heart, oh God, and renew a right spirit within me, created me a clean heart, oh God. And renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence, O Lord. And take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. Spirit within me. 
You can have your seats. Good afternoon. Hopefully everybody's got a full belly. <laughs> I know there's a lot of excitement about this session. Um, I actually got a sneak peek at the slides for this presentation, so I'm really excited <laughs> to hear. Um, uh, so I'll introduce um, Jen, our next speaker. Um, okay, Jen offers prayer counseling, spiritual formation, and discipleship for women around the country and has counseled in various capacities for over 20 years. Jen holds two master's degrees, one in professional counseling and the other in Christian ministry. She is currently a doctoral candidate completing her dissertation work in spiritual formation. Jen has been married to her husband, Juan, for 21 years and has an 18-year-old daughter, Kenna, who is a freshman at Lipscomb, as well as a six-year-old daughter, Cadence. And Jen is a professional friend of Rebecca's, a personal and professional, I guess I should say. Um, so please welcome her as she speaks to us on navigating boundaries, empowering others and ourselves. Well, how's everyone doing? Good, we have full bellies. Okay, so when Rebecca contacted me and said, Jen, I want you to do this, I was like, I had two thoughts. I said, yay, I can't wait to go and be with these folks. And then she said, it's the one o'clock after lunch. I said, oh, tired, hung people that have their digestion working it out. So I promise I'm gonna do my very best to keep you very entertained and very engaged, but everybody just keep a focus on the tired bellies, okay? Because I know this time, you can start to just sort of feel the droopies. So I will do my best to keep you wide awake, okay? So as Cassie just said, I know Rebecca, I've known her for many, many years. And so when she contacted me to come do this, I said, this will be fun. It's gonna be a lot of fun to talk through boundaries. Now, boundaries is one of those things, well, I'm curious, how many of you, when I say the word boundaries, have heard of boundaries before? Is that something? Oh, good, I don't have to give you the, too much of the grassroots, right? But anytime we really talk about boundaries, we're also going to make sure that we're, there's a little bit of challenge that often comes with this conversation, right? Because if you really take in this information, what happens is you start to gauge your life, your relationships, your choices, and you begin to go, okay, where are some of those tweaks? Where are some of those things that I need to actually really take um, an assessment of to be healthier as a person? but also my relationships, right? So we're gonna be talking a little bit about both. We're gonna be talking about our relationships, but also what boundaries do for us as individuals, because we can actually do a lot more for the kingdom, I would submit, when we have healthy boundaries. I feel like you're tracking with that, y'all? All right. So I wanna give you, Cassie just did a wonderful job. That's pretty much me. I've been married to my husband 21 years yesterday. Yeah. Thank you, thank you. And so let me show you a little picture of my family because this is what we do when we speak, right? So we are not the family that gets family pictures. I was realizing this the other day. I was like, oh, I have no like professional picture of my family. We have selfies. So this is me and my husband Juan with the very cool beard. He's a very bearded man. And then my daughter Kenna is in the middle. She's 19, she's a freshman at Lipscomb. And then my little one Cadence, who is six. She is five days from turning seven. The reason I know that because there's a timeline happening. There is a countdown on the chalkboard, in the kitchen right now. We woke up this morning, she said, mom. I said, hi, she said, five days, mom. No pressure, have you ordered the gifts was the second thing that came out of her mouth. I'm like, you just assuming I'm ordering from Amazon? She did it, she goes, have you ordered my gifts yet? I'm like, who says I'm ordering anything? Hmm. 
I haven't, but they're gonna be here because Amazon moves fast. So we'll be fine. So this is my sweet family, and I don't know about y'all, but my husband and I come from what I call the crazy side of the tracks. You know that crazy side? The crazy side of divorce and abuse and abandonment and addiction and all those things. Those were the things that were passed down to my husband and I. But along the way, we made the choice to say, you know what? Because we're a son and daughter of God, we're going to make choices so that our kids get to experience something different. And by no means have we done it perfectly, but we caught an understanding of generational patterns. We caught an understanding of what it meant to set boundaries and to seek health out in our lives. And I, I don't have time to go into all of our story, but our girls are experiencing something so dramatically different than what we did. And so as I talk through boundaries today, I'm talking as a counselor and something I'm passionate about because I see women every day, all day long, get healthier as they put this stuff into place. But I would submit that boundaries have become a safeguard for me as a woman of God. And it was something I had to learn how to put into place in order to safeguard my marriage, my relationships, my work, my kids. So this isn't something I'm just going to get up and talk about professionally, if that's okay with y'all. Is that okay with y'all? We don't need all the professional stuff, right? That'll be helpful. But I'm also talking as a woman who has found great value in boundaries in my life and in my own healing journey. Does that sound good? All right, everybody all right so far? All right. So every time I teach, I ask the Lord one thing, and that is that he would allow the information that I give out to become revelation, right? We're going to talk through a lot, y'all. I try not to give too much information, but we're going to be a lot of information today. My prayer is that as it comes forth, it turns into revelation. It's something that you can catch a hold of and go, wow, that actually can impact my life. We have all sorts of head knowledge. Have you noticed that in the church? We have lots of information that we take in, and information's not bad. But if I don't know how to take that information and it become revelation in my life, I just become smarter. I don't become healthier. I don't become more usable by the Lord necessarily, right? So that is my prayer. So is everybody ready? Okay, they're like, oh, you haven't started? Not really. I'm going to pray now, and then we'll actually start. You ready? All right. Well, Father, I just thank you for this afternoon. I thank you for each and every person that's here. I thank you for their lives. I thank you for their stories. I thank you that there's nothing, God, that's too hard for you and that there's nothing that you miss. You see all, Father, and you're so faithful to equip us and to engage us and to help us, Father, to keep moving forward for ourselves and for others, God. And so I just pray, Lord, that you take everything that I prepared today and that you just breathe on it, that you'd allow it to become so meaningful and helpful for every person in this room, Lord, no matter what season of life they're in, God, I thank you that this can apply, and we honor you for that. And so we lift you high, and we give you this time now. In Jesus' name, amen. So one of the thoughts as I was prepping for this time is I was asking the Lord, okay, what was his heart for today, for this time? And the one word I felt like he impressed upon my heart was empowerment, which I thought was kind of cool, because I even watched Gail speak this morning. I don't know if she's in here. Oh, there she is. Y'all, can we just give her a hand? Because she did so wonderful this morning. I jumped on the live stream for a couple minutes while I was getting ready, and I'm like, go, girl. Like, that whole thing with the window, and it, I was like, what? That was so good. So don't ever put the microphone down, Gail. 
If the Lord keeps putting it in your hand, keep going after it, girl, because you did a wonderful, wonderful job. And I'm hoping that y'all have been feeling empowered today. Do you feel like that's a word that makes sense to you? That's really what our heart is for this time, too. So I would submit that true empowerment begins with boundaries, okay? And also, that's what I'm speaking on for the next 45 minutes. So that is what we'll be talking about. So Let's take a moment and just define boundaries, right? Because in order to have an understanding of what we're talking about, we need to know what it is. So one of my favorite books on boundaries, maybe some of you have heard of this book, it's called Boundaries, aptly named. I like it. By Dr. John Townsend and Henry Cloud. It's a great one. In fact, I think every human on the planet, those of you who've read it, are nodding. You need to read Boundaries. So get on Amazon, get it. And the cool thing is they have boundaries for everything. Dating marriage, children, teenagers. It's kind of like those chicken soup of the soul books. Remember a long time ago, they had them for golfers and dog lovers. It's kind of like those. It's boundary books for everything. So Dr. Cloud and John Townsend say this. They define boundaries as invisible fences that define where my property begins and where my property ends. So to take this further, boundaries refer to the limits individuals establish to define what is acceptable or unacceptable in their interactions and relationships. So these boundaries can apply to various aspects of life, lots and lots of different areas, including emotional, physical, social, and lots of other areas which we'll be hitting on. Often when we talk about boundaries, we think about the physical ones, right? Are you a hugger or are you not a hugger? The physical ones, right, which we'll talk about. But boundaries, you guys, especially in our current culture and in this day and age, apply to a lot, a lot, a lot of areas, and it's important we know what those are. So if you're up for it, let's talk through a couple of those specific areas, okay? So the first one is physical boundaries. These define a person's physical space and preferences for touch. Like I said, these, the best example I can give of this is the huggers versus the fist bumpers, right? I am a hugger. If I meet you, sometimes I'll ask you if you like a hug. Sometimes I'll forget about boundaries and just go for the hug. Other people are like, back off, lady. I am not a hugger. Can I see who the huggers are in the room? I won't. Oh, there's so many huggers. Yes. Okay, fist bumpers. Oh, there's some fist bumpers. After COVID, a couple of us are like, still, a couple of fist bumpers still going. But that's an example of a physical boundary. The idea is it's, it's knowing where I begin and end when it comes to my physical Things. And an example could be, out of an idea of asking for a boundary around a physical, is asking for permission before hugging someone. Don't just go in for the hug. Or expressing discomfort if someone's standing too close. That could be a physical boundary. The next one are emotional boundaries. So these relate to an individual's feelings, their emotions, and the level of emotional intimacy they are comfortable with, right? So I often refer to this as kind of our introverts and extroverts right? You have different emotional boundaries after you've been peopled all day. So my seven-year-old, well, she's not seven yet, but in five days, my seven-year-old in five days is a major introvert. Now she loves people, she loves school, she loves doing the thing. But y'all, when she walks in from school, she goes somewhere. She disappears. I don't know where she goes. I'll look through the house, and sometimes I'll find her in a closet. Sometimes she'll be tucked behind her bed. She just is like, I have had too many people. I have to go get my time by myself, and it refreshes. It's an emotional boundary for her. She's like, please don't talk to me or ask me about my day. I need 15 minutes. And y'all, she's six. Isn't that funny? 
I'm raising emotional, healthy children. Praise God, praise God. She knows I need some time. Please don't talk to my mom. So the next one, our time boundaries. This is a big one, guys, especially for us when you're servants, when you're helpers, when you're ministers, when you're people that care for people. We need to know how to set boundaries on our time. So one example of this I love to give is I am in school, I work full time, I have family, I'm a very busy lady. But on Thursdays, I'm booked. So if I have a client who calls me, if I have a friend who wants to get coffee, I'm booked on Thursdays. This is my boundary around my time. And what that means is I'm hiking. I'm at a coffee shop. I'm doing something where no one can find me, no one can call me. My husband knows where I am. I don't completely disappear. But I'm gone. Don't contact me. I'm probably far away from my phone because I need to unplug. I've learned over time I have to set time on those Thursdays or mama ain't nice to be around. You know that? I'm not so, so in touch with the Lord in the same way, right? I'm just not as nice to be around because there's this thing called burnout that happens when we give and we give and we give or we study and we study and we study or we care and we care and we care. And I've been told so many wonderful things about this church. I've been told that there is such a servant's heart here. I walked in the front door and just felt the sweetness in this building with people. Eye contact, smiles. That's not what you always get. And guys, the fact that your leadership team set this up and pursued this for you all communicates their heart for you and your health, your wholeness, and for our community. And so there's an awareness of going, I have got to start assessing what boundaries I need to put in place for my health. And sometimes that's time boundaries. Sometimes that's going, when do I need some time off? So to define time boundaries, it's really those that involve setting aside time for personal activities, work, rest, leisure, and just choosing not to overcommit ourselves, right? We'll talk a little bit later about sometimes why we overcommit ourselves, but that gives you a starting point. The next one is digital boundaries. Now, 10, 15 years ago when I gave this message, I probably wouldn't have even mentioned this one, right? But in today's culture, we gotta talk about digital boundaries, the boundaries we put around things. So pretty much what this means is, it's the boundaries that involve managing our online presence, privacy settings, interactions on social media. So it's an understanding of going, okay, where do I need to set these boundaries? I'll give an example from a client. Lots of clients that I work with are women, and they'll be in seasons that they're healing, and they need to really be growing in the way that they see themselves, understanding how God sees them. And they'll go, Jen, every time I'm on Instagram, comparison kicks up. I start focusing on everybody else's lives and all that they're putting out there. And then I suddenly start to get depressed. I get frustrated. I feel less than. Well, maybe it's time for a boundary around digital things. Maybe you need to get your booty off Instagram for a little while, right? Maybe you need to only get on there once or twice a week to check in. Maybe you only get on because you're actually getting on to look for something specific instead of scrolling Right? Does anybody else do this? I do this. End of the day, I'm so tired. I just got to scroll. Just scrolling for absolutely no reason. I'm not on there for any reason. And before long, I feel more zapped, right? That would be an example of a digital boundary. The next one is work and professional boundaries. This is kind of self-explanatory, but it's the idea of having a healthy balance between work and personal life and establishing limits on what is acceptable behavior in a professional setting. I used to be the director of counseling at a ministry where I worked, and so I had all of these wonderful young ladies that were counseling in our department under me, so I was their boss. And I had learned as a counselor, 
you've got to have some boundaries. You cannot be working till 6, 6.37 at night and think you're not going to go crazy, right? You've got to be able to leave. So I was in a season where boundaries had gotten easier for me, but these girls were not married. They didn't have anybody calling them at 5.15 going, hey, you on your way? They would work till 6, 6.30, 7, now. So I stepped in as the director of counseling, and I'd get into the driveway. I would usually be between 5, 5.15 because my husband was calling. So I'd get in the car, and I'd look around, which cars are still here. I'd start calling them. You have five minutes to finish up what you're doing. Get in your car and go home. And they're like, you're crazy. I'm like, I'm also your boss. So I get to do these crazy things. Get in your car and leave. And what I found is our team was healthier. There wasn't as much turnover. They actually enjoyed their jobs, and they still got their stuff done. Isn't that amazing, right? We buy the lie that I have to stay over in order to work so hard without realizing, no, you actually don't. If you have boundaries and you put first things first, you find, even scripture says, if I put him first, all these things will be added unto me. If I put him first, I have boundaries. I have priorities set straight. Suddenly there's this blessing. There's this ability to get stuff done. And I found that with them as well. The last one I just want to hit on real fast our spiritual and religious boundaries. So these are the permission we have that to set those boundaries around our beliefs, our practices, and our, that our involvement in religious or spiritual communities. So really thinking those pieces through, what are the boundaries around those things spiritually for me as well? So as I'm discussing this whole boundary thing, hopefully y'all are tracking so far. Everybody doing okay so far? Yeah, I can tell the wheels are turning. That's good news. But sometimes as we start talking about boundaries, we have to realize that there's some challenges that come along with them. In this whole talk, I'm going to talk about five. There's five main challenges that make boundaries super hard. There's probably 15, but can't be here for three hours. So we're going to just talk about five. Now, the ones I'm going to talk about right now, often people refer to them as myths. Now, I don't use the myth language because there actually is a little bit of truth in these. When I hear myth, I think it's incorrect. It's not true, right? But the ones that we're going to talk about, the two main challenges that come along with boundaries today, is the idea that if I set boundaries, I will hurt others. Or if I set boundaries, I will be hurt by others. Now, nobody's going to punch you in the face probably if you set a boundary. But there's some pain, there's some uncomfortability that can come with setting really healthy boundaries. And so we want to chat that through real fast. So the first one is if I set boundaries, others will hurt me. Now, the Cloud and Townsend say this. They say, boundaries hurt sometimes, but they don't harm. So what that means is if I set a boundary, it might hurt. It might be uncomfortable. I might call someone up higher, right? We'll talk a little bit about enabling in a little while. But if you have someone in your family that struggles with addiction and you have to start setting some boundaries around their poor choices, it's going to be uncomfortable, it might even feel painful to them, but I would submit it will never hurt to them, okay? Or it will never harm them. It will hurt, it will be uncomfortable, but it won't harm. So we have to understand that sometimes people will get angry and frustrated when we set boundaries, and that's actually okay. I would submit that the level of receptivity, per se, to your boundaries actually communicates how healthy your relationship is. Take that in for a minute. If I have health in my relationship and I say, hey, I need to pull back from this, or I'm not okay with you doing that or speaking to me that way, 
I can quickly know how healthy that relationship is and how open and welcoming they are to my boundary. Does that make sense to you guys? Now, if they get all fired up and funky with me, I might need to back up and go, wow, there might be some unhealth in this relationship that I need to assess, that I need to pay attention to. It actually really helps us to understand. Now, I will say this probably about 16 times today, so here's the first one. You are only responsible for yourself, okay? One of my jobs today is to let you off the hook. <laughs> it's gonna be good news. You are only responsible for you. You are responsible for how you care for people and all those types of things. But at the end of the day, you're not responsible for anybody else's choices, how they choose to steward their time or their lives. You're only responsible for you. Now, the second challenge we want to hit on is if I set boundaries, I will hurt others. <laughs> this idea of boundaries when you first start putting it into place, it feels mean. Can anybody attest to that? Like, when you first started hearing about boundaries, you're like, I am a jerk. I am so mean to tell these people that they can't do this or act this way. It feels mean. But I would submit it's the most kind thing, and we'll get, I keep doing, we're going to get to that soon. I keep thinking of all these things we're going to talk about that are coming. It's not actually mean. It's just part of healthy relationship. So we need to understand that appropriate and healthy boundaries do not attack or harm anyone. They actually just serve to protect you and your well-being, which is really, really important. And I would submit, finally, before we move on to the next piece, is that a lack of boundaries is what eventually will lead to harm. That's something maybe you write down on your notes. That's a good one. Lack of boundaries are what will eventually lead to harm. So maybe start learning to do the mean thing a little bit, OK? So I'm a counselor, guys, so I don't always just talk about the thing that we're talking about. I like to kind of get to the deeper issues, other things that kind of go along with this. So I really want to talk through the idea of false responsibility real fast, too. Ooh, I know. I'm just going to go for the, <laughs> the shins, okay? So another thing that Cloud and Townsend said, this is a really important one. They talk about how we are responsible to others, but not for others. Sometimes you have to work your brain around that, especially after lunch, okay? Whew. So you're saying, I am responsible to others, but not for others. That's exactly what I'm saying. What that means is that I am responsible to someone in the way that I treat them. I'm responsible to be kind. I'm responsible to be honest. I am responsible to make sure that I'm walking as a daughter of Christ in the way that I interact with people. But at the end of the day, I am not responsible for them. I am not responsible to make sure anybody makes good choices. I am not responsible that they step in and take ownership or responsibility for their lives, right? I'm only responsible before the Lord and in my relationships to them in the way that I care for them. And so we have to understand that when we don't get this right, false responsibility is something we start to operate from. We start to carry a responsibility for people that's not ours. Now, personally, false responsibility was something that I had to work real hard to overcome. I said I kind of come from the crazy side of the tracks, right? So I was raised by a single mom. My dad left when I was real, real young. And so I was the oldest of three kids and the only girl. So the two boys that were younger than me I just stepped into a responsibility to really care for them for many, many, and many years because my mom had to work. Bills had to be paid. Money had to be made, right? And so as the oldest and as the daughter, I just kind of became second mom. And so my entire childhood, there was never a discussion about boundaries. 
I was never allowed, like I see with my little one, she's like, mom, I'm over too many people. Go, go do what you need. That wasn't a possibility. That wasn't something that was modeled or given to me as a child. And so as I got older, this whole boundary conversation started. I'm like, what the heck is that? What are boundaries? That was never anything that I was taught, let alone encouraged in or given responsibility for. But that's why I get so excited about it. Because I remember along the way, the Lord going, you're not responsible here. And as a counselor, ooh, if you walk around in false responsibility, your job's going to be real hard. Because some people choose into healing, right? Some people don't. And so I had to learn even at a personal level to begin to go, wow, I have to get, I have to get a gauge of what this boundary thing is and start stepping out of false responsibility. And I'll tell you, it was game changer. And like I said earlier, what happened is boundaries became a safeguard for me. They started to be something where I'm like, I don't want to operate out of responsibility for anyone else. It's wearing me out. It's not creating fruit in their life anyway. It's not working for either of us. So what does it look like for me to start stepping back and figuring out where I begin and end? So when I caught this idea that I'm responsible to others, but not for others, it really started to shift some things. Is everybody tracking so far? We still awake? Okay. Digestion doing its work. Okay, you guys are doing great. Okay. Now, if at this point I have not sold you on the boundary thing, have I sold you so far? Are we kind of eh? All right, I'm going to go really for the guts now. Are you ready? Here we go. <laughs> Jesus had boundaries, y'all. Did you, did you know this? He actually... There's so much that Jesus modeled to us, right? I mean, we could make a list of all the things that Jesus modeled to us when he was earthside. I would submit he also modeled having boundaries, which is just the best because it gives us the, the permission to actually do the thing. So I'm going to give you a couple quick examples of boundaries that Jesus had with others and for himself, okay? So if you have your Bibles, which you might not because it's not really Sunday service, but if you do... You get extra credit. Now, you can turn to Mark 10, 17 through 22. And of course, for those of you that don't have your Bible, it's on the screen because that's always really helpful. This is the story of the rich young ruler. I love this. So starting in verse 17, it says, As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good, Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not give false testimony, do not defraud, honor your father and your mother. Teacher, he declared, all these I have kept since I was a boy. And Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said, go, sell everything you have and give it to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. Whew. How many of you heard this story? I'm assuming many, many, many of us. How many of you ever thought about the fact that Jesus was setting a boundary? Right? This rich young ruler comes to him and says, Jesus, what do I need to do to inherit eternal life? He says, give everything away. Come follow me. And what I love about that is he's not just setting the expectation, he's setting a boundary. And what do we watch from this, okay? The reason I love this is because if I'm setting a boundary with someone, what do we sometimes do? You cannot come into my home and talk to me that way ever again. 
That's the boundary. But then the next day they come. And do I stick with the boundary? What we see Jesus doing here is he says, give everything away, come follow me. The boy's face fell and he walks away. What do we not see Jesus doing? Well, I mean, 50, just give 50% away. It'll be fine. Just do 50 and come follow me. Jesus doesn't do that. He sets the boundary. He sticks with the boundary and he lets the man choose. So he was responsible to this young man, but not for this young man. Jesus allowed him to make his choice. There is something here for us, you guys. There's so much here for us. But the idea that Jesus himself said, this is what is the expectation. This is the boundary. This is what it needs to look like. And now I'm going to let you decide. Now, I've not made this point about boundaries up to this point because I think it's so important to hear it from Jesus. Boundaries in this situation are so loving. Look at it. Look at it. Is it on the screen? Yes. Jesus looked at him and loved him. Even before he sets the boundary, he loves him. So I would submit that Jesus is not just modeling a boundary, an expectation, putting something forth to someone. It is someone he loves. So could it be that not only we have permission to set boundaries, but boundaries in their healthiest form are actually loving? Boundaries we put around our time are loving for us. Boundaries we put around that person in our lives that's struggling with addiction is the lovingest thing I could do for them. I mean, y'all decide, but that's what I'm trying to get across here. That's what Jesus is modeling to us. So the second example that I love to give as well is the idea that we see throughout Scripture, I'm going to list four of them, but there's actually many, many more, where we watch Jesus set apart time with the Father, okay? So we've just talked about this idea of setting boundaries with someone. What does it look like to set boundaries around our time? Like, Jesus did this, guys. He departed. He went away. So let's read a couple of these. Mark 1.35, it says, And rising very early in the morning while it was still dark, he, Jesus, departed and went out to a desolate place. And there he prayed. Matthew 14, 23, it says, And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. Mark 6, 46, And after he had taken leave of them, he went up to the mountain to pray. And the last one, Luke 6, 12, In these days he went out to the mountain to pray, and all night he continued to pray to God. So as I said, Jesus modeled so many things to us. So, so many things. But what I want you to catch is that he modeled the understanding of boundaries with someone. And then we see all these examples of how he set boundaries around his time, very specifically with the Father. We all know the stories. Jesus was with the multitude all of the time, praying for people, healing people, doing all the cool stuff that he did. I would submit the reason he could do that so well is because he knew where he began and end. And he was God. How much more important is it for us to go, I'm not Jesus. I'm not God incarnate. I don't have the same things Jesus could do. So how much more important is it for me to set the boundaries with people, to make sure I have boundaries set around my time, especially with the Father, 
whether that's prayer time, whether that's time at church, whether it's community, whether it's getting time, whatever it is to continue. There's a pastor that talks about stirring our affection for God. What are the things that stir your affection for God and making sure you're doing those things, spending that time with him? Because I would submit that Jesus, in doing this, was safeguarding himself from what I want to talk about next, which is burnout. How's everybody doing? You doing okay so far? Y'all are the best. Okay, burnout. Oh, so see, I could sit up here and tell you about boundaries and this is how you do it and all the things, but if we don't understand the kind of the root structure, how false responsibility makes it hard, how if we don't set boundaries, we're going to burn out. Just out of curiosity, anybody in the room ever experienced a season of burnout? I don't want to cheer at that because that's not a good thing to cheer at, but I'm glad to see that y'all can even acknowledge it because some people don't. They're like, this is just sort of the way I live. I'm just not very happy. <laughs> I'm real tired all the time. Well, if you can acknowledge what that is, it actually safeguards you in moving forward. So because we're speaking and because we always start with definitions, let's start there, okay? So burnout is a state of chronic physical and emotional exhaustion, often caused by prolonged stress, overwork, or a sense of being overwhelmed. Hmm. How many of you heard of compassion fatigue? Okay, I got a couple. Compassion fatigue is kind of a form of burnout. It's the feeling, <laughs> y'all probably feel, felt it sometimes, where you hit a point where you're like, the thing I used to care about, I don't care about anymore. <laughs> I'm just so tired, right? Your compassion, your ability to care gets burnt out. You just, you just don't care. You want to care, but you don't care. Like you just, you're like, please stop talking. I'm just really, I don't have the capacity to give the empathy right now. That could sound strong, but that's where we can get, right? So the idea is that we need to have an idea about what burnout is because it's real sneaky. It creeps in at different seasons and times in our lives and often, as I said, which makes sense, through the lack of boundaries. So I'm just running and running and running and caring for everybody on the planet. And I have not had a day off. I don't remember the last time I slept more than four hours. And then I wonder, why? I'm just the shell of a human being. Because you're doing too much. You don't have enough boundaries around your life in a healthy way. So let's chat through the signs of burnout, shall we? You guys are like, I guess we have to, because you're going to do it either way. I am. Here we go. Signs of burnout. Physical exhaustion. That's one of them. Emotional detachment. That's what I was just saying. It's this compassion fatigue where you're just like, I don't, I don't have the extra emotional capacity to give too much. I'm just kind of checking in and out one day after a time. The next one is loss of motivation Ooh. and reduced productivity. Sometimes burnout can look like depression because I don't want to get out of bed. I don't feel like I have passion about the things I used to. It feels really hard to step in. And I know that sometimes, I'm even thinking of all you guys up in the front as these amazing teenagers who are here. You guys are awesome, by the way, to spend a Saturday doing this. This isn't just adult stuff. I talked to my 19-year-old yesterday who's just started college. She's like, Mom, I'm starting to feel a little burnout. I'm like, have you had any fun? Well, no. <laughs> You need to go out to dinner, get your nails done, go do something. If all you're working and doing is working and going to school, you'll burn out too. It's not like I'd have to be 43 for this to happen, right? It's an understanding. We start to lose motivation for the stuff we love to do. 
And suddenly we're not get, being very productive about things either. The next one is we become negative Nancys. You know those people? You're like, wow, oh, you have nothing nice to say. <laughs> negative, irritable, frustrated, just life is just hard. And you're telling everybody about it because you're just burnout. And the last one is loss of joy and creativity. There's just not a lot of extra margin for the fun stuff because I'm just doing my best to get by. I'm just doing my best to make the thing happen. And I've kind of lost the joy of what I'm doing. Does that sound about right to y'all? For those of you who've experienced burnout, mm, it's not a lot of fun. Now, I need to normalize this a little. All of us have long, tiring days. It's part of humanity. It's heaven. It's just kind of what comes along with life sometimes. What we need to keep an eye out for is that when it's day after day after day after day, you can't remember the last time. I think even Gail talked about this this morning. The last time you laughed. The last time you had fun. When it gets to the point where you're like, I don't, I don't really know why I'm doing any of this anymore. That's when you need to pay attention to what could possibly be happening with burnout. So as I mentioned a little bit ago, healthy boundaries are often not modeled in our family, right? Boundaries are often something you kind of have to intentionally learn and seek out. And sometimes in our ministry situations, in work, in our own homes, it's not just not taught, it's also not encouraged. It's not celebrated. Some places and situations actually really value more of the burning out the going hard, the feeling like we have to self-sacrifice ourselves. But what happens is we need to understand as believers that God does not need our burnout in order to further his kingdom. Especially those of us that are helping people, those of us that really have ministry in our worlds, God does not need your burnout. He does not need you to burn yourself into the ground and run and run and run for him to further his kingdom. It's really important that we catch that. So the next thing I want us all to understand is that burnout is not holy. It's something I learned along the way. Sometimes there can be this undercurrent belief in teaching that if I'm really working hard for God, and if I'm really going after the kingdom, burnout's going to come along with it. I would submit that doesn't have to be true. And if we can be people of boundary, then we won't get into this position of feeling like we have to somehow prove or work overtime or do all of the things in order to do what only God can do. Because he doesn't need you to run yourself into the ground to care for others or to further his kingdom. So this the next quote I just love. And for some of us, it might feel a little strong, but I think there are people that can lean in this direction. And so for any of you in this room that might lean in this direction, this one's for you. If it feels overboard, then just go with me. How's that sound? So this is by Richard Swenson. He says, God does not have to depend on human exhaustion to get his work done. God is not so desperate for resources to accomplish his purposes that he, we have to abandon the raising of our children in order to accommodate him. God is not so despairing of where to turn next that he has to ask us to go without sleep five nights in a row. Chronic overloading is not a spiritual prerequisite to authentic Christianity. Quite the contrary, overloading is often what we do when we forget who God is. I want you to see, let that kind of sink in for a minute. There's nothing that's too hard for God. He's fully capable. 
But I think sometimes in certain seasons, whether it's in our family relationships, whether it's in ministry, whether it's with friends who don't know Jesus, we just go and go and go and go. And we tend to forget like God's got it. And we get the joy of coming alongside. We get the joy of being a conduit. We get the joy of being used of God in people's lives. But he does not need us to burn ourselves out in order for that to happen. So I have extra really good news. You are not Holy Spirit Junior. I want you to get that in deep, okay? You can write that down. You can circle it. You can star it. It's free. There's only one Holy Spirit, and he has got it. Jesus has got it under control. Father God, the three of them are like a really good team. None of us have to be Holy Spirit Junior. Whether that means burning ourselves out to try to save people or care for people, or even trying to be a voice in people's lives that isn't invited or welcome. Holy Spirit's got it. We don't have to be his junior size. And I think it's important that we really catch the idea that God is fully capable of taking care of that person you care about. I don't know what everybody's bringing into these conversations today. I don't know if you have a child, if you have a person in your life. There's a lot of really serious things that are going on in the world today and in people's stories that are legitimate. And I could never know all of that. I do know as a counselor, I hear a lot of different stories day in and day out that are heartbreaking and hard and feel hopeless and feel overwhelming. But I do know that we serve a God that nothing is too hard for him. And if we can be healthy people... And we can do our work and we can have boundaries. You would be blown away by what God can do through you, through a story, through a prayer, through a hug. There's so much that God can do. Jeremiah 32, 17 talks about that. And maybe write that down, look that up later. It says that there is nothing that is too hard for God. Nothing, 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 nothing. No matter how crazy the world gets, there's nothing that's too hard for him. That's encouraging to me because guess what? There's a whole lot of stuff that's way too hard for me. I don't know. I can't do it all. I don't have all the answers. I've come to a point in my life, I don't, I'm fine with saying I don't know because I don't know. But I'm connected with one who does. And that's pretty cool. And when I can get out of Holy Spirit Junior mode <laughs> and let him start stepping in, there's nothing that he can't do. And I think sometimes we can underestimate the power of prayer. We can underestimate the power of just a simple text. Hey, I'm thinking of you. How are you doing? And we have to understand that sometimes that's all that we've got to give, and that's okay. So we're not all trained counselors, right? Pretty sure not everybody in here is a trained counselor. Some of us are, and that's awesome. But I will tell you, as a trained counselor, I still have to know what it, where I begin and end. There are certain times that I have to pass someone off because they don't fit in my season, I don't have the expertise. I might even discern like, wow, they would be a way better fit with someone else. And you know what? When I refer and when I pass someone on, that is not failure, guys. And it's the same thing for y'all. If you hit up against a story or a situation or a friend or whatever, bring in help. Ask for people to come alongside. Don't buy the lie that referring or passing someone on or asking for help is failure. No, that's not true. It's actually wisdom. Because what it means is you don't burn yourself out, and they actually get what they need. So it ends up being a win-win for everybody. It's really, really important that we know that, and not to underestimate the things that you can do. Because there's really important things that you can do. So we're going to blow through the rest of these really, really fast, but I mentioned there's a couple other challenges that come with setting boundaries, and these are big ones. I've noticed a couple of them over the years I want to hit on. 
So these are going to kind of be the shin kickers. You know those ones where I come, we've become friends now, and now I'm going to kick you in the shins perhaps if any of these apply. So here we go. We enable instead of empowering. So I don't set boundaries because I'm enabling you. And enabling is pretty much someone who allows a loved one to continue self-destructive patterns of behavior without consequence, right? Enabling is often something we talk about in addiction and that kind of thing. But the idea is that I don't understand that if I set a boundary, I actually empower you. I'm so afraid to set a boundary. And sometimes it's legitimate fear, guys. I'm afraid you're going to go off the edge based on your destructive behaviors. But I will tell you this. Every single time I've counseled someone to set boundaries and they've done it, they've seen amazing fruit come from it. And most of the time, if they don't, they see the very thing they're afraid of coming to pass, whether it's in addiction or relationships or what have you. Boundaries don't harm, even though they hurt sometimes, okay? Now, here's another one, another shin kicker. Here we go. We help others in order to find validation and approval. So my identity is in being a helper. My identity is helping this person and if I set a boundary, what does that mean? Ooh, they might not need me anymore. My help might not be something they have to continue to pull on, which if my validation and my approval is coming and helping someone and I set a boundary and they start to get healthier, what does that mean for me? We don't consciously always think of this stuff, guys, but it's happening. Sometimes we don't want to set a boundary because it will change the relationship. But what I would submit is when we set healthy boundaries, we get out of God's way. I don't know about y'all. I want to get out of God's way in people's lives. I want to be a help to him. I want to come along. But if I am getting in the way and being Holy Spirit Junior and not setting the boundaries, I get in the way of what God wants to do. And that's not what any of us want. The last thing that really makes setting boundaries hard is that we struggle to assess and accept our season. Everybody in this room is in different seasons simply by the season of life that we're in, the age that we're in. We're all in different seasons. And so we need to get really good at assessing where am I currently in my season and where's my family's season? Okay, so like I said, I'm in a season right now, I don't have a lot of bandwidth for a lot of friend time. I don't have a lot of bandwidth for a lot of other things. And I'm okay with that. I've, I've assessed that and I'm aware with that. But if every friend that contacts me says, Jen, you want to get coffee? Jen, you want to get coffee? And I keep doing it, I'm leading myself to a place of burnout. It's not a healthy place for me. And if we don't understand our seasons and we don't set boundaries accordingly, we don't steward those seasons well. And there's a saying that how you leave one season is how you enter the next, right? So we have to understand a, a young mom is going to need to set different boundaries than a teenager, right? Teenagers, y'all might need to set boundaries around social media. There might be that friend who's so irritating in the hallway that won't leave you around. You might need to set a boundary with that person like, please stop finding me on every break because I'm trying to go to the bathroom. Whatever it might be, setting the boundaries around that, right? If you have aging parents, you might need to set boundaries around, hey, I'm with my family having dinner right now. I'll call you back in a little while. Or encouraging them to start making new friendships in their relationship, whatever it might be. It's beginning to step back and going, okay, what is my season? How do I make sure that I'm assessing where I'm at and setting the boundaries that need to be set? In some seasons, you guys, we have lots to give. And those are awesome seasons. In other seasons, we don't. 
And that's okay. We need to be aware and ready to do what we need to do from one season to the next. So the last thing, y'all are doing great. We're going to start winding down soon. We want to talk about self-care and rest. Because here's the thing, we're all busy. We all have a lot going on. Whether you're great at boundaries or not, sometimes you still have to understand how to do self-care and rest. They don't happen without intentionality. Have you noticed that? Darn it. Rest doesn't come to find me. Busyness comes to find me. People come to find me. Issues and problems come to find me. Rest does not. But if we can get intentional about it, it actually starts to become a rhythm. Like every Thursday, people just know Jen's off there tramping somewhere around in the tails. Like we don't know. Thursdays, it's just her day. That's where she's going to be. It becomes a rhythm. It doesn't, it's not hard after a while, but it does take some intentionality. So I love this quote. It's the best. It says, true self-care is not salt baths and chocolate cake. Although, I mean, they could be part of it, right? I like them both. (laughs) Self-care is making the choice to build a life you don't need to regularly escape from. So have your cake, have your salt baths, fine. But how do you start setting self-care, these things in place that will make a difference? Now, everybody's self-care looks different, guys. This is the fun part of the conversation. For me, it's hiking, it's going to coffee shops, it's getting sushi with my husband, it's coloring. Anybody like to color? That's so random. Probably because I have a little one, I like to color, right? Everybody else is different. It might be gardening. It could be kayaking. It could be running. If you're a runner, I celebrate that. I only run if I'm being chased. That is not self-care for me. If you see me running, there's probably danger ensuing. Call the cops. The point of the matter is, some people, that's their self-care. That's the way they rest. And we need to understand, we hear rest and we think, well, is that a nap? Sometimes. But rest is more of a posture and a pacing, right? I can be busy and still at rest. But typically, my ability to be at rest, even as I'm running or busy or doing the thing, is because I've taken the time to self-care. I've taken the time to rest. I've taken the time to create margin in my life in the ways that I need to. So all of you should have gotten a little handout, maybe taken some notes on it. We're going to take... Oh, good, I'm running about on time. We're going to take probably about two or three minutes. Now, this is the counselor in me, so you'll have to go with it because I have the microphone, right? It makes me be the boss or something. But we've got these four questions because we don't want this just to be information, right? We want this to be revelation is the whole idea. So we're going to take a minute, and these four little questions on your sheet, I just want you to take a minute and reflect. What's one thing that I learned today that I can implement? And honestly, guys, this doesn't even have to be from right now. If you've not even taken the time to think through Gail's stuff this morning, what have you, take some time. What is one thing either all day or even in this hour that, is imp- that I want to implement? How? Ha-ha. This is the how-to. How do I intend to do this? Who is one person that I can tell about this? Right, guys? Because I know how this works. That was a great idea. That's as far as it goes. Oh, okay, well, this is how I would do it. But will I do it if I don't tell anybody? Maybe not. So this is that accountability piece. Who is one person I can share this with? How and when will I do this? And what good fruit do I hope to see come from this change? So we're going to take about two or three minutes. Walk those questions through. If you don't have the sheet, do it on your phone. And then we will wrap up. Y'all are awesome.
All right. So as we get ready to wrap up, I do want to just thank you guys so much for letting me come and share and run around on this stage with a microphone in my hand for a little while. So hopefully, my heart was that we'd feel empowered, that you'd learn some new things and maybe be reminded of some things you already knew. But I, I think the entire heart of this whole discussion today really does come down to the idea that healthy boundaries let God be God. So healthy boundaries in my life position me to do my part and then to get out of the way and let God do his. So if we choose to live a boundary life, if we choose to take time to assess our seasons, and if we leave margin for rest and self-care, the Lord will empower us to care well for others and to care for ourselves. So can I pray for you guys real fast? All right. Well, Father God, thank you. Thank you again for this time. Thank you for each and every life that sits in this room, God. I think about just the multiplication from each of their lives, Father, whether it's relationships, families, friends, God, all of the different interactions that they have on a daily basis, God, that they get to be the hands and feet of Jesus. But even just the encouragement day today, God, to really be boundary people, to give, Father, if anything else, ourselves permission to back up, to take some assessment, to do some things differently, God just for ourselves, so then we can be a blessing to others. And so we honor you, God. I thank you so much for this time. I continue to pray over the remainder of this day, God, that you would just continue dropping the insight and the revelation that we need. And so we honor you, Jesus. We seal up this time today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you guys so much. And just so you all know, my email is at the bottom of that list. So if you have questions, if you need to contact me for anything, it is there. So feel free to do so, okay? Thank you all so much. Have a good rest of the day. Thank you, Jen. That was wonderful. Okay, in just a moment, we are going to take a quick, look, she is right on time, too. Um, we are going to take a quick break here um, and then move into our second breakout session for this afternoon. Um, most of our teens and young adults have signed up um, to meet with Dr. Earl Lavender, who's actually in the back right here. Um, so Dr. Earl Lavender is... Um, uh, is leading a class based on vocation and God's purpose. And in his class, um, our teens and young adults will be exploring how vocation fits into God's bigger story. Um, Dr. Lavender is a longtime and favorite professor of Bible and ministry at Lipscomb University. He was recently named executive director of Lipscomb's Center for Vocational Discovery, which is an initiative to, um, to present vocation as a continuation of God's creative work in the world. Um, so if you are a teen or young adult, then once we dismiss, you're going to go back down our main hallway. Um, but before you get to those classrooms that we were in earlier, you're going to turn left and go downstairs um, into the teen room or lower Antioch, whatever you prefer to call it, um, with Brother Lavender. Um, and then also our topical discussions will be during this time, and those will be where we ate lunch in the Lower Fellowship Hall. Um, we're going to have some refreshments down there, um, and I think um, Casey has made some coffee for us. And those are just going to be casual conversations at different tables. So when you came in this morning, you probably um, took a number to save your seat at those tables. Um, you're gonna find your table number. And if you didn't take a number, um, just let me know. We'll fit you in somewhere down there if you would like to be. But the tables are labeled um, with, with a number and they're probably right side up downstairs. Um, 
And then finally, for people who just prefer a quiet space, maybe it's been an overwhelming day, maybe um, you don't prefer to discuss things, um, you can stay in this room if you would like. We're just going to have some quiet music. Um, we're going to have some scriptures on the slides, and you can just take some time to have personal prayer or a little bit of space to breathe. Um, and any of those options would be just fine. Um, following that, at about 3.15, everybody is going to come back into this room, but only briefly. Um, for about five or ten minutes. Um, I just I just saw Ruth Henry here. Hi boss. Uh, <laughs> I'm so glad you're here. Um, so for about five or ten minutes we're just going to have a closing time. Um, we're going to do some thank yous and one of our ministers is going to speak to you just briefly. Patterson had to step out to take care of somebody in our congregation today. Um, so he is gone for the day but we will go ahead and close. Um, and then following that very brief closing we're going to have some community resources. Um, Professor Autumn Maxwell from Lipscomb University has collected a lot of resources and we're going to put those in the lobby so around 3:15, 3:30, after we have that closing um, message you guys will be dismissed to get those resources and pick up your kids um, and then you'll be dismissed for the day so we have a quick break if you are a teen or young adult please go straight to the teen room don't pass go give give um, brother lavender as much time as you can um, the rest of the adults make your way downstairs here in the next 10 minutes or so and we will start at 2:15. You're dismissed.